people say you're not a product of your environment, but I think you are. Yeah. Because my environment was, I struggled, I had to do this, I had to do that. So the older I am now, I can lean back on those times mm. and say, you know, I'm used to the struggle. Yeah. So, you know, getting it out the mud is not how my future, if I have children, that's not how they're going to get it. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come a whole lot cleaner. Mm-hmm. But getting it out the mud prepares you for the cruelty of this world. Get your water and keep some wine. I should have had some wine. With exposure, execution, and consistency, there is nothing you can't do. Just keep planting. So I have some really exciting news. The Responsible Homegirl is now taking sponsorships. So what does that mean? If you are a business owner, you can promote your business on the Responsible Homegirl podcast. And we have plenty of listeners across YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and even Spotify. So if you are wanting to increase your brand awareness, get more sales, all of that good stuff, start advertising your business on the Responsible Homegirl podcast. Click the link below and I'll send the information directly to your email. Now let's get right into the episode. Hello, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning back into another episode on the Responsible Homegirl podcast. I am Kiani and I created this space so that young adults can become financially responsible and wealth conscious. So the way that I do that is by sharing financial education and interviewing dope entrepreneurs, dope entrepreneurs who are building their wealth through business. So I know last year I introduced y'all to Think Like a Mogul, which was a series where I wanted to highlight and interview the greatness that we have in our own backyard. So when I tell you South Carolina has some great entrepreneurs, some great business owners in the field doing the work, but I don't believe that we get the credit and the exposure that we deserve. So that's where the Responsible Homegirl comes in because I am going to be interviewing so many people on Think Like a Mogul who are either from South Carolina or they live in South Carolina. So today I have no other than the one, the <laughs> only, the one and the only Damien Burris, who is going to be sharing his story, giving us the game, sharing so many gems. So before we get started, the first thing that I want to dive into, like I always tell y'all, I created a brand called The Responsible Homegirl, but Kiani is the recovered irresponsible homegirl. Mm-hmm. I didn't just arrive here. Mm-hmm. So before we even dive into anything, can you share with us an irresponsible financial decision that you made either like back in your 20s mm-hmm. or even yesterday? It really doesn't matter. An irresponsible financial decision. Absolutely. Um, first, I want to say thank you for having me on the show. Y'all inside, I beg to be on the show. That's how big Kiani is, right? Uh, <laughs> this is my home man, cool. um, so yeah I can remember in um, in my 20s I I had it down pat to where when I get my paycheck I would take everything but $2 out and I would go to the gas station and I would fill my truck up and overdraft it wow. every Friday why? because I didn't want my bills to hit and I didn't have money so I would let overdraft protection pay my bills and then take the money that I worked for. So stupid. I probably gave the bank at least 20, 30, 40 bands about five years. Who days. taught you that? Somebody, <laughs> somebody else irresponsible. <laughs> All it's your money but $2. Because see, the trick is, as long as you have a dollar on your car, you can fill your car up. Right. Now, y'all, don't y'all go copy that. Don't do that. <laughs> But that's what I used to do. So I would pull all but $2 out. So whenever my bills hit, the overdraft would take care of my bills. Interesting. Right. I did it for about five years. Five years. So what shift, like, what made you say, okay, this is just ridiculous? Um, I just got tired of being broke. Mm-hmm. I got tired of not having, um, I got to a low place in my life where I was homeless. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sleeping in a truck. I was, I was a detective at the time. And um, I would get off work. I would um, go to uh, the gym and work out just so I have a place to shower. Wow. Then I would put my gun and badge back on and I would go to McDonald's to get a free meal because we ate free with a gun and badge. Mm. So then I would um, go to Walmart when it got dark and I would, I had cover and pillow in the back. I had a Montero spray, never forget it. Had my cover and my pillow in the back. I would set my phone every two hours to move to a different location so the police wouldn't get called on me sleeping in the parking lot. And you were the police? And I was the police. 
Wow. So after having that experience, it was short lived, but after having that experience, I was like, yo, I, I can't do this forever. Right. Um, and I didn't have financial literacy. As you understand, one in 10 black people have a financial advisor. Mm. One in three of my counterparts have a financial advisor. Yeah. So I was like, I gotta learn about money. I had a perception about it. And it was because we were on welfare, I always heard my mama complain, so it came from somewhere else and it was never enough. So that's the mentality that I adapted. Right. You know what I'm saying? That, okay, well, I gotta find a handout because that's how we made it. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for the next best thing. I wasn't trying to educate myself. And when I started educating myself and started understanding finances and money and how money is supposed to work for us. Ooh, talk about it. Yeah, so that's when it happened. I was like, no, I'm, I'm gonna take what I can learn. And then I made a vow to God. I said, now that I know better, I'm going to teach everybody behind me. I love it. So there's so much that I want to unpack there. (laughs) So the first thing, because I see myself so much in you. So a little bit of my story, moved off campus my third year, not my third year, my fourth year of college. Mm -hmm. And I was getting this money, this free refund money, about $7,000 working two jobs, had nothing to show for it. Mm -hmm. Now, here comes November 2019, and I can't pay my rent. Mm. So, December 1st is around the corner, and I could potentially get evicted. Right. But my pride didn't allow me to pick up the phone, call my mom, and ask for that 889. So, can you talk a little bit about that pride and ego that maybe you had to overcome, or what kind of stopped you from not picking up that phone saying, I don't have a place to go. Can I come to your place? Like, why choose to live in your truck? Well, for one... Uh, my mom ain't had it. Mm. So, um, yeah, I started at 15 working to help support the household because my mom had me at 19, mm-hmm. um, straight out of high school. So, um, shout out to my mom, my, my heart. Go mom. Heart, right. Um, but she was a 19 year old girl with no skill mm-hmm. straight out of high school. So she did what she knew to do. And that was, you know, get on the system and try to survive. So I saw that and me being, a, you know, a boy, boy child, I went to work to help my mom out. Mm. So I, she didn't have it either. Right. And, you know, my dad, me and my dad wasn't as close um, growing up. That's my guy now, but we wasn't as close growing up. So I didn't have anybody to call. That's that's a lot of the problem in our generation. We have a perpetual um, generation of everybody not having money most of the time. Right. So we pass down bad ideas. Bad habits. Right. You know what I'm saying? So... Um, I have nobody to call. And then I had police buddies, but I didn't want them to know. A shame. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So um, that was the biggest thing for me. I, I didn't have anybody to call. Mm-hmm. So I just had to, I had to thug it. Yeah. <laughs> and you feel that sense of shame too. And that's why I want to have these conversations to let people know it's okay. But at the same time, you have to make responsible financial decisions. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. it's nothing like that financial stress. I was 20 years old. I'm like, hold up. I should not be feeling like this. Listen. And then to pick up the phone and call somebody and hear, they may help you out, mm-hmm. but to hear I told you so or what are you doing with your money? Like, and you can't tell anybody not to question you when right. you're asking, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's just, ooh, ooh, ooh that really touched me. I'm glad you said that. It was a quote that I want to share mm-hmm. um, that I heard not long ago. And it said the pain of I O is much greater than the pain of I want. So we can look at a, a car and say, Oh, I want that car. Yeah. But when you look at that car and say, I owe somebody and they're gonna come get it. Different. <laughs> That's a different kind of pain. Different. Because being without is cool, but knowing you're gonna be taken away from? Yeah. Nah. And I heard you say 889. You still remember the number. Oh, to the. $889. I had two roommates. Yo. Living downtown Charleston. Ooh. $889. And they want all that. And it took everything. Well, I really did not call my mom. They didn't know the story until I got through it. Right. I knew in January I was going to get me a new refund check. Mm -hmm. I quit out both of my jobs. I got a new job at my apartment complex that gave me a 20% discount on my rent. Dope. And then another one at a hotel that paid paid a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But I share that to say you have to be strategic. Right. Um, and then I'm so grateful for that time because it made me the responsible home. But I want y'all to know that even Damien being as successful as he is right now that we're going to dig deep into, 
he has even made irresponsible decisions. Yes. So now, Damien, mm-hmm. can you talk to us a little bit about how you grew up and what kind of propelled you to where you are right now today? How I grew up. Um, so as I stated before, I'm a single parent mm-hmm. um, household. Um, you know, my mom was had me by a married man, so it was kind of taboo back then um, to, you know, have a son out of wedlock, boom, 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 the whole thing. So I grew up kind of different. Uh, I didn't meet my father until I was eight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, turmoil with me being the, the boy, the young, the youngest son at the time, kind of had a lot of conflict between his family and me. Yeah. So, you know, it kind of got pushed off. We really didn't reconnect until I was like 15, maybe. Um, but growing up was tough. Um, I can remember, and I told the story um, on another podcast, um, my mom played a game with me called Find the Pennies. And it was a game to me. I was a kid, right? Um, I'm, I'm going to age myself a little bit. So it was, when, <laughs> it was when Doritos was in a clear bag. Oh, I know nothing about that. See what I, mean? <laughs> I know nothing about that. All I see is red and blue. Oh my god! <laughs> and now I'm purple. Right. They put way more chips in the bag back then. <laughs> now it's air. Right. So uh, the red was a clear bag. You could see through the bag, mm-hmm. and she would always let me win. I didn't know this until I got older, mm-hmm. but I would always win, and we would walk to the store about half a mile to the store, and I would buy two bags of Doritos. And she would let me eat the Doritos, one bag on the way home, and one bag later, and that was dinner. Wow. And it was tough because, you know, her, my mom was from Jersey, so she's a city girl. She didn't know anybody here. She had a sister that was here, but they weren't as close. Yeah. Um, so we were not on the church that she finally wound up uh, joining. Uh, well, not finally. She got saved at 10 months, but we still weren't as close to everybody mm-hmm. that I can remember. Um, so I grew up real poor, um, and my dream and goal has always been, um, I want to have nice things. Yeah. Um, always had a big heart, I always loved people, always wanted to do that, but um, when I got older, I was like, I just want to have stuff. Yeah. And um, so yeah, so that was, that was how I grew up, and I just remember just always struggling. And I say, <clears throat> I'm not a product. Well, people say you're not a product of your environment, but I think you are. Yeah. Because my environment was, I struggled. I had to do this, I had to do that. So the older I am now, I can lean back on those times mm. and say, you know, I'm used to the struggle. Yeah. So, you know, getting it out the mud is not how my future, if I have children, that's not how they're going to get it. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come a whole lot cleaner. Mm-hmm. But getting it out the mud prepares you for the cruelty of this world. Mm-hmm. So... You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I was prepared to say, I listen, if we could be in a one-bedroom with the heater in the front, and you know, we're walking to get kerosene every day, you know, five miles to go get kerosene, and five-gallon bucket walking back, like, I'm, let's go. I'm used to Relentless. Be right. Right. So, you know, surviving that was, that was the hard part. Now, show me, show me, put me in line to where it is so I can go get it. But was it hard for you, even though you were, like, used to it? Like, did you know better as a child? Mm, I did because you got to think, as a child, you go to school, you interact with different lifestyles. Yeah, you're right. So to be totally transparent with you, I asked, why are we poor? Because mm. I didn't understand. Yeah. I didn't understand the economics. I didn't understand the principle back then. Right. Um, of, of what or how I came to be or what was happening. Mm-hmm. So all I saw was kids with name brand, you know, some of them driving to school after they get to a certain age. Yeah. Like, what, what we do wrong, right? Um, so no, I didn't. I didn't have that upbringing, uh, but I knew there was a difference, mm-hmm. and I wanted that difference. Would you say how you grew up shaped you wanting to become an entrepreneur and like impacting all of these lives that you have impacted? I would have to say no. My goal and dream was just to be Secret Service. I just want to be a detective. Really? For real? Yeah. Talk about that. Talk about so, that. So my, my right. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> I'm the opportunity, not the opportunity. Oh, I love that. I love that. The opportunity. I'm the opportunity, right. So stop like, stop sleeping on your ops. Don't sleep on your opportunity. Stop sleeping on your ops. I love it. I love it. Yeah, so um, so my it, it was a family business. My dad did it. I had an uncle that did it. My brother did it. Okay. Um, so it was something that I saw um, and um, did that for a while. I wound up getting injured um, in the line of duty. And my goal was to retire and come back and consult police departments on certain things, on interview tactics. 
Um, and when I got into the line of duty, I had just recently picked up real estate, you know, mm-hmm. just by just by chance. Mm-hmm. Um, so nah, I never had a dream of being an entrepreneur. When you got injured, did you like you got shot? Or nah, I, I, <laughs> I just gotta know. <laughs> What happened? What happened? I, I fell out of a two-story window. Oh wow! Yeah, second-story window, and I told my quadriceps attendant, and um, and uh, it just it put me out. Wow! Yeah. A two-story. Did your life like flash before your eyes? Nah, nah, nah. No. Okay. It wasn't, it wasn't that traumatic. <laughs> it was a lot of pain, but uh, nah, it wasn't. It wasn't that bad. I was more mad because the person I was chasing went out the window, mm. um, and I went out with him. So yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so. You talked about how you really just wanted to be in the Secret Service, mm-hmm. but you picked up real estate on the side. Mm-hmm. What made you pick up real estate on the side? So my business partner now, Cody Presley, shout out to Cody Presley, Burris Presley Realty. Um, I um, I had just purchased a house, mm-hmm. and when you're buying a house, even after you purchase, you're still in that phase of still want to look at houses, because mm-hmm. this is what you've been doing for the past two, three months. Right. Um, and then I love two things. I love structure, and I love time. Mm-hmm. So I collect watches, and I love houses. So I was still going in and out of houses. He was in the model home of the subdivision that I had just purchased. Mm-hmm. And um, I stopped by, saw him, young black kid, um, in there just chilling. Always had on a fresh bow tie. I was like, who is this dude? So I walked in, just looked at the house. And um, I was in uniform. And he was like, what you do? You know, just just law enforcement or what? I was like, yeah, detective. He was like, you should be in real estate. Mm-hmm. He was like, nah, I don't know real estate. He was like, nah, I hear the way you talk, you know a lot of people. You would kill it. Yeah. And I was like, nah, I'm good. Um, and then we kind of formed the bond. You know, yeah. I would go by, chop it up with him every time I come through and see his car parked out in the model home. And um, then on the weekend, I would just go up there and just parlay with him, just talk to him. Mm-hmm. And he would walk, guests would walk in, and I knew the people. Yeah. He was like, you know them? I was like, yeah, I, I know their grandkids, I know them, boom, boom. He was like, bruh, you got too many connections. I mean, not to be in real estate. Mm-hmm. One thing led to another. He started taking me to go look at houses with him and, you know, ride along with him. And then I went and took the test and went from there. I love that story. And it's so organic how it happened. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that people can look at you and they may see something in you that you can't even see in yourself. That's true. That's, That's why true. it's so important to have the right people around you right. and be in the right environment. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I didn't even tell the people what you do. <laughs> we talking about real estate, but let's. Bring us up to speed. Wow. Who is Damien Burris right now? Who is Damien Burris right now? Uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Serial? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I own about six, seven businesses. Um, probably the most uh, lucrative and the most um, interesting ones. Um, I'm the owner, co-owner of uh, one of the largest black owned real estate companies in South Carolina. Yes. Um, um, close to 70, 80 employees. Um I have a luxury car rental company um, out of Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Uh, we work luxury car rental fleets. Um, I have a few dope trucks. Um, I'm a motivational speaker. Uh, my pulpit is different. The paraphernalia you see me rocking uh, is a transformational speaking company that talks about purpose and getting people to where they need to be and get them unstuck. Mm-hmm. Um, I also write budgets and I do business coaching for uh, small business owners. Cool. I love it. I love it. I love it. And not one degree. Not one. Not one degree. Let's touch on that. Yeah. Before you even touch on that, I want to tell y'all something. So, growing up, I was always the smart girl. Straight A's. Was praised for the straight A's. Went to college completely debt free. Wow. Completely debt free. Then I graduated from college and my life was nothing like how I thought it would be. Mm. I applied for jobs left and right and got denied left and right. Wow. And here I am like, do these people not know who I am? Right. I got a 3.6, I'm super involved on campus, I'm the president of my chapter, mm. like what's going on here? Mm. So I'm happy you said that because a college degree does not equate to success. No. You have to have another level of mm mm-hmm. in you. And honestly, just, I'm just so happy for my whole journey because God showed me that, like, my identity is not in good grades. My identity is not in a degree. My identity is not even in a business, honestly. You have to be so rooted and know who you are so you can keep going regardless of what comes your way. Absolutely. 
So now let's go back. Very successful serial entrepreneur mm-hmm. with not one degree. Not one degree. Tell me, like, ugh, I don't even know what to ask, but just how did that make you feel? Um, first, let me say this. I think having a degree is amazing. One of the things that I probably regret that I didn't experience is college life. I got a whole bunch of friends that have the stories of my college life. I'm mad that I didn't experience it. Right? It's an experience. Right, it yeah. is. Um, but yeah, so I I um I was in I was in community college mm-hmm. studying criminal justice. Okay. And I met somebody that introduced me to the number two man at the sheriff's office. Mm-hmm. And they hired me right on the spot. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, if I got the job that I want, why am I in school? So I dropped out. Wow. College dropout, right? Tech school dropout. So <laughs> I dropped out of uh, uh, technical school and uh, pursued that. But um, I don't know. I live by saying that denial is permission to purpose. Denial is permission to purpose. Okay. So think about it. You just said you got denied for all those jobs. Mm-hmm. I think God spared you because had you gotten one of those great jobs, mm-hmm. you possibly wouldn't be here because of the comfort of what that would have provided. Mm-hmm. But if but because he denied you, it granted you permission to be who you are now. Yeah. The responsible homegirl. Right. So I think sometimes not experiencing some things in life grants you permission to purpose. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm appreciative um, of everything that happened. Now, I will tell you, law enforcement was my collegiate experience for life because you go through so much with meeting people. Mm -hmm. Um, I've met indentured people to doctors. I've arrested indentured people to doctors. Mm -hmm. I've been in conversations with politicians. Mm -hmm. Like, you learn so much because you're dealing with the municipality or whatever it is of the city or the state or the county or whatever level you're on. So you learn so much. So if it wasn't for law enforcement, I don't think I would be the entrepreneur I am now. Interesting. Right. And I think the same for you. Had you not had that college experience, Mm -hmm. there's probably some things that you would be lacking in your career now or in your, your journey now to be a great entrepreneur. I think God knows, okay, some people need school, some people need experience. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it was just my path to take um, for me. Um, but it's it's great. Now, when I first got in, into the entrepreneurial role, I was intimidated that I didn't have it. Why? Um, Because I felt like a lot of people would say, yeah, you have experience, but you don't have, you know, anything behind your name. That paper. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um... um I was, I was a little nervous at first, but then I was sitting down and I heard God say it. It was crazy. He said, you're bilingual, not because of your dialect, but because of your experiences. Mm. You can speak to multiple people. Yeah. And after I heard it, I was like, all right, let's go. You know, PhD or not, BA or not, MBSA or whatever y'all call it, NBC <laughs> News, right? I ain't got none of that behind my name. But uh, what I've been through gives me the ability to speak on certain platforms. Yeah. So talk to me about... Making that transition of entrepreneurship, was it easy for you? No. 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 So how, how are you now a successful entrepreneur? Um, uh, Neil, uh, follow Neil? Mm-hmm. He says it has to work or it has to work. Ooh, it has to work or it has to work. So I remember it was January the 16th, 3 o'clock, 2016. A.M. or P.M.? P.M. <laughs> okay. Listen, so shining. I had on some cash on the blue shirt, bags good. I remember the day I quit. Um, the significant part about it is I was able to retire, so I get a check for the rest of my life. Come on, check. Retirement, right? Um, for being injured. But, I mean, you know, it keep gas in the car. But, <laughs> um, but I remember saying, if this don't work, real estate don't work, then this is what you, you're going to be on a fixed income at 31. Mm. And I remember hearing old people talk about being on a fixed income. You know what I'm saying? So, I was nervous. I was like, yo, this, this got to work. Yeah. So, um, and then two, not having the degree in business, opening my own business, I was like, I don't have the structure to do this. What am I thinking? You know what I'm saying? So I was like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to be successful? How am I going to do this? What's going to happen? Um, so I set a goal. I said, I need to make $100,000 for my first year, and I feel comfortable that I can do this. If not, I'm going to try to go back and do some kind of disc sergeant duty at law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember my my dream car at the time was the S five fifty Mercedes. So I, I saw the one I wanted. 
I went to talk to the guy. He said, well, um, since you're self-employed, I'm going to need to see bank statements. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, cool. Now, mind you, my goal was 100 k Right. So I'm sitting, it's month 10, 10 and a half, it's like right before um, Halloween that I bought the car. I called my personal bank. I said, hey, I need you to send over what I put in the bank for the first 10 months of the year. And uh, send it over to this email address. And the guy looked at it. He said, this your first? I was like, yeah. He said, you make $159,000 in 10 months? Mm-hmm. And I was on my phone. I said, do what? I'm praying to make $100,000. i am am about to double it. Wow. So I'm sitting in there trying to hold back tears because I remember 10 months ago, I was saying, yo, if this don't work. And this is your first year in business? My first year in business. As a real estate agent? As a, just an agent. Not even owning the company. Made close to 160k. Wow. And when that happened, I don't know, okay, it just put something in me that said, oh, I can do this. And ever since then, I just, I had that uh, that drive and that energy and that push just to keep advancing. Yeah. And the money, the money sounds so good, but mm-hmm. I know it had to take a type of person to produce at that level. It did. So can you share with my community, what were you doing that first year in business where you were able to earn? Must be a lot because that, <laughs> you just blew your breath so hard. Talk to us about the process, the tenacity. What, what went into your first year in business? It was, <clears throat> it was nonstop. Um, a goal is a person. Mm-hmm. It's not an idea that's on a piece of paper. It's becoming somebody that you're not to get something that you've never had. Say that one more time, please. A goal is a person. It's mm-hmm. becoming somebody that you're not to get something you never had. So if you want to make 100000 a year, what does a $100,000 person a year do every day? Mm. What's their habits? What's their desires? Yeah. What's their actions? You know, how often do they look at TV? How often do they plan? How often do they budget? Mm-hmm. And that's what I became. I became a person that said, I am going to work every single day to make this goal happen. Yeah. Um, one of my entrepreneur, one of my mentors gave me a quote or a slogan. He said, how many houses do you want to sell your first year? I said, 50. He said, I'm going to give you the greatest piece of advice. So I'm looking, I'm like, yo, what is it? He said, you know how you sell 50 houses? I'm like, what? He said, sell 60. Hmm. I said, what? what? What do you mean? He was like, surpass the goal. Yeah. And you'll always reach it. Right. So my mindset now, whether you reach it or not, but you have to have the mindset. Mm-hmm. So my mindset every day was, if I want to sell 50 houses, I'm going to talk to 50 people every day. Mm-hmm. I want to sell way more than 50 houses that year. Yeah. Because I just became dogmatic. I worked even. And now, here's the crazy part. I got more no's than I did closing. Mm-hmm. But I didn't let it stop me. Yeah. And it was just, it was just being, like you said, tenacious. And understanding that you got to get out here every single day. I tell my agent now, whatever time you get out of bed, that's the day you That's what time your business opens. Right. So if people are waking up at 8, leaving the house at 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12, and they go pull on your door and you're still in the bed at 11. Make it make sense. Right? Yeah. So um, I, I, just, I just became somebody that I wasn't. Um, I read a lot. I studied a lot. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of research on what top producers do. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the biggest thing that I did, I learned my product. Mm-hmm. Talk, about, talk about that. So, to me, the biggest three things <clears throat> that you need in entrepreneurship is a great product. Okay. You need to know the product. Okay. And you need to know the people that you're giving the product to. Mm-hmm. So, um, if, if hair combs is what you sell, then you shouldn't be talking to bald people. <laughs> right. But a lot of people just throw a blanket out there and say, hey, this is my business. Mm, talk about it. Talk about they it. They never find their niche. Yeah. So now you have to learn, okay, um, why tooth does this? Fine tooth does this. Um, if it's certain thing, is it pulling my hair out? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you, is it a detangler comb? What is it? Yeah. So you got to know the product, the person, you got to be consistent. So what I did was I fell in love with the hardest part of real estate, which was the financial piece. So when I fell in love with that part, and I knew it like the back of my hand, everything else was a breeze. Yeah. So I took about three months. I really didn't focus on selling. I focused on how to get people approved. Mm. And when I learned that aspect, telling them what granted was was easy. Yeah, because you can want a house all day, but if you're not in position, right. you're not going to get it, right. and you're not going to have a sale. Right. So fall in love with the process, mm-hmm. and the success will come smooth. Yeah. Fall in love with the process and the success will come. Absolutely. I love that. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. That's so good. So now, 
you started off in real estate. Mm-hmm. That was the, I would say the one thing, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about focusing on one thing. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me how you kind of like branched out to these other businesses or what kind of inspired you to just expand wider? Yeah. Um, real estate for me is an angel investment. It's what funds everything else that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, <clears throat> I didn't want to be one track. Um, people say seven streams of income, but I have a video out there that um, I put out there that's about finding your river. So I believe your river creates streams. Yeah. So my river is a river of help, the river of talking to people. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that, every other business that I have in some way, shape, or form helps you do something. Yeah. Um, so I started looking at certain things. Now, whenever I, I go to approach a business, if it doesn't align with what I believe, I don't care how much money it makes. I'm I not love it. Um, people come to me all the time, hey, we invest in this, we invest in that. I'm like, yeah, that don't really align with what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you pointers on how it can work, just not something that I want to be a part of. Yeah. Um, so then I just started looking into other things that are lucrative, that have some high risk, um, but everything doesn't have high risk, but has the ability to make money. And I also look for businesses that I can do that doesn't need my attention. Passively. Right. So all my other businesses are either ran by staff or automated. Got you. Because I, I don't have time to stop and do six or seven businesses. Mm-hmm. So I want to look at my phone and see, oh, you got to do you got to do Come on. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, that's what it was. It's just taking the money and then leveraging money to invest in other things. Mm-hmm. So Damien, does everything that your hand touches turn to gold? Do you not fail? <laughs> oh no, I fail all the time. Oh, talk about it, please. Uh, no, uh, failure equals research. Failure equals research. Yeah, I got that from scientists. So scientists, whenever they're in the field and they're testing something new, mm-hmm. they say data shows. Yeah. That just simply means it didn't work. Right. But what we learn from this mm-hmm. is this. Mm-hmm. Right? So I fail all the time um um you just have to like we say all the time it's got to be a lesson and not a loss right um and failing is what got me where i am yeah like many times so i took the research from what i failed from and said okay if i do it this way the next time it should work embrace the failure absolutely absolutely but you if if you're not failing you're you're not doing something right (laughs) i'm for real like you 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 have to fail. Like it's a it's a part of the plan to success is failing. Like I I did a speech one time before. I said a lot of people get stuck in the Floyd Mayweather syndrome. Everybody wants to be fifty and oh. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. But what happens behind that dash to me is way more important than the first number. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I think once you learn how to come back from failing, winning takes a whole lot better. Yeah, and uh, honestly, like you really don't learn nothing from winning. You may learn a little bit, but that celebration, that turn up, it be real. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. those losses make you look hard. Like, dang, I invested this money and this ain't work. Yo, it'll make you sit with yourself. Yeah, and losing will make you look at yourself a whole lot differently too. Because a lot of times, I'm gonna be honest with you personally, for me, a lot of times when I lost, it was ego driven Mm. because I was trying to win. To prove something, yeah. Instead of trying to win to help, yeah. So now my focus is different. I want to win now because winning now is gonna make me better to help other people, right? Instead of saying, "Oh, I want to win," because I'm gonna show them. Nah. And you have nothing to prove to nobody. No, you don't. Yeah, you don't. And I feel like that's another thing with entrepreneurship. Um, not only is it a journey that you go through with learning how to yeah. run and operate a business, but it's also like a faith walk. It is. Like it exposes so much about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I know one thing that I've been dealing with, especially in 2021, was this sense of entitlement. Mm. Thinking that just because I put up a pretty post or my face is cute, that somebody's going to give me something. Right. And that's far from the truth. Mm-mm. You literally have to work you do. consistently. You do. You do. So I love the fact that you touched on that. Yeah. The next thing I want to segue into is challenges. So can you talk about some of the challenges that you've experienced? And it doesn't have to be simply on real estate. It can be if you want, mm-hmm. but just challenges period across the board being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, whew, uh, being black. Being black. And successful. Um, Hold on. Being black and successful has been a challenge? Has been a challenge. It is. Because in certain climates of certain careers, when they're predominantly controlled by our counterparts, mm-hmm. 
it can be a little tough when you start getting to certain numbers. Interesting. Because you become a threat. Mm-hmm. So then you you have to learn how to maneuver just enough so that you don't come off arrogant, but then you can't let anybody walk over you. Right. Um, so um, one of my mentors told me, he's like, you got to be poor enough for them, but not too rich enough for us. <laughs> so you got to learn how to walk that line. Doesn't it feel like a battle, like a mental battle to me? You coined it perfectly. <laughs> Because you, you It's like you treading on needles. I don't like that. Right. So I got delivered from that last year. Okay. I'm like, I'm not doing that no more. Yeah. I'm not doing that. Um, and that was the biggest thing. Um, knowing how to service your clientele and not be offensive with your success. Mm-hmm. Because when I first got in, I'm gonna be honest with you, when I first got in, black agents weren't vocal mm-hmm. about what they were doing. Yeah. Now them jokers telling everybody what they do. They shine in the light. <laughs> but when I came into the industry seven years ago, I was like, why don't we post what we do? So when right. I right when I first got in, everybody was like, you too vocal. You know, you don't. We're gonna start losing money if you tell everybody what we do. And I was like, that's y'all mentality. Mm-hmm. And now the same ones that said that they got more posts than me. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Talk about it. So <laughs> if you don't want, right? You know what I'm saying? So um, that was tough. Um, the other thing that I dealt with, um, I recently <laughs> probably got over this was, I felt like I was gonna get to a place where I needed college backing mm-hmm. or that that book knowledge or that education because maybe the operation and the things that I was doing was gonna get way too complicated for my intelligence level. Mm-hmm. So I was a little nervous, it's like, ooh. So did you overcome that like by relationships or like? I did, by employing people. <laughs> Hiring people smarter than me. You don't have to know everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I was like, I, I ain't gotta know that. I can pay somebody to know that. Right. Um. So that was that was challenging for me. Um. Mm, what's challenging for me right now is, I think maintaining. Maintaining. Being better than I was last year. Yeah. Um, and um, it's just because making a million is easy. Making a million again is hard. Mm. You know, you can get it, but can you sustain oh, it? Right. The maintenance of success is harder than the initial success. Talk to us more about that. So, I mean, in y'all generation, man, if I had YouTube, man, <laughs> YouTube, all this social media, TikTok, if I had that back then, and even the people before us, um, it was harder to do it. Now it's easy to to be in front of millions like that. Mm-hmm. But then once you get in front of the millions, if your story is not captivating enough to keep them, mm-hmm. you'll be a one-hit wonder. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So the money is the same. Like, um, back then, uh, what's the guy named? Um, Waylon. The dude with the big old teeth. He would all say, these does. Like, yeah. he, everybody knew him. Yeah. Now I want him in front of him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, you got to have consistency with your message and with what you're doing and always rebrand. And I feel like you also have to put yourself in a position to get money because you could go viral and still be broke. Right. You can have all of these people coming to this page, but do you have like the next step where you can still continue to serve them? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think you just the maintaining and sustaining of mm-hmm. the success, the millions or whatever you're gonna call it, you have to just you gotta have a more a message of more than just yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So now, segueing into, okay, the reason why I wanted to talk about challenges is because I feel like we kind of glamorize entrepreneurship. Like, we look at it like, oh, it's so easy, or mm-hmm. people post their numbers on IG mm-hmm. and they think that, I'm not saying that it can't happen, but I'm saying it's a process mm-hmm. and that throughout that process, you are going to face challenges. You are. Period. So, in whatever business that you have, would you say that business is the same, like, across the board? Or will you say it takes, like, a certain type of person to succeed? Um, certain aspects, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Certain aspects of business are the same. Okay. Um, but it definitely takes a certain kind of person to be able to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. 
I'm writing a book now that I'm releasing next month. Come on, author. Called, right? Called CEO. Mm-hmm. Chatter, Expectations, and Opposition. Mm. Right? Because what I've learned in the last two years, if you can get over the chatter, mm-hmm. the talk of you being great, and then the talk of you being bad, the expectations that you do or don't set, and the oppositions you're going to face from everybody around you and yourself. Ooh, and yourself. Talk about it. Right? So when you can get over those issues, I think you can be a great entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point, yes, it takes a certain person to be able to do uh, and maintain entrepreneurship. Um, but I think some practices are going to be the same across the board, no matter if you're selling ice cream or if you're selling houses. Gotcha. So could you um, tell us a little bit about, like, Earlier, you said when you change your focus, like some of the things that you wanted to do, it was out of ego and not like out of helping people. Mm-hmm. On your journey, how have you stayed true to the real reason why you're doing what you're doing? Mm, good question. Um, it's maturity. Maturity. I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, entrepreneurship will grow you up. And it don't come with age. No, it comes with experience. Oh, I'm happy with experience. you said that. Yeah. I, I have met some of the most mature entrepreneurs that were 10, 10 years younger than me. Mm-hmm. Like Spurgle. Yeah. That dude is just, he grew up fast. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's just how you do things and how things work for you. Um, it's how you get the experience and how you start to do it. So um, me maturing and having some battles that I lost and then people coming to tell me, you got to have these kind of people. You lost that because you're well, that happened to you because you wanted it for your sake more than you wanted it either for the company or for the mission of what you are. And it can be so hard to receive that sometimes. Oh, but <laughs> 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 It can be so hard to receive that. And what I have in place is, um, when we talk about a business mastermind, is my mission. Yeah. If I always do things according to my mission, then my ego can't get in there. Yeah. So I think every business owner should have a mission. And I'm gonna give y'all some game um, because at the business mastermind, this got me together. He asked everybody, "What's your mission?" And you know, hands went up. And then he was like, "Okay, what's your mission?" Mm. And nobody could say what their mission was. Mm-hmm. So if you can't say what your mission is, that's not really your mission. Right. So when I went back to my hotel room at night, my homework was I have to have a mission because if not, I'm just showing up just to say I showed up. And I'm doing myself a disservice, but I'm also doing my community a disservice. So if you're listening or watching this right now, and you are a business owner or an inspiring business owner, you need a mission. And your mission doesn't have to be three paragraphs. Mm -hmm. I help X by doing Y. Period. The simple framework. I help X by doing Y. That's good. Have a mission. That's good. Have a mission. And not only does it give you the framework, on the days that you want to be lazy, your mission won't allow you to be. Talk about it. It won't. It won't allow you. It won't allow you to cut corners. Mm-hmm. It won't allow you to do things just for doing it. If your mission is X to do Y, mm-hmm. then you're going to have to honor that, or your mission is going to be allowed. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to make you more intentional with where you're placing your time. Definitely. I cannot tell y'all the amount of times in 2021 where I thought I was doing stuff, mm. but really reflecting, I wasn't doing nothing for real. <laughs> like, you you just got to be real with yourself. Mm-hmm. Are you doing impactful work or are you doing busy work? Ooh. Because we can say, oh, I'm booked and busy. I'm doing What you doing? Mm. <laughs> what are you doing and who are you serving? Right. And when I say who, one person. Mm-hmm. What one person are you serving? What problem are you solving, right. like you said earlier? And that's just going to keep you consistently on your toes. It is. And entrepreneurship, this came to me probably about a few days ago um, during my devotional time. And people always talk about like, oh, I want to do this because I want to be comfortable. I want to be comfortable. (laughs) I don't want to live a comfortable life. Mm -hmm. Because a comfortable life is not a life of faith. And that's what God dropped on me. Mm. A comfortable life is not a life of faith. Because what are you trusting if you're comfortable? What are you trusting? That's good. And entrepreneurship is not calculated at all. No. <laughs> I mean, you can have targets and objectives, but maybe God may surpass it right. or may not even go how you're expecting Absolutely. in your mind. So Absolutely. you you definitely have to have faith and, you know, keep pushing. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. I love that. Uh, you might hear that again. <laughs> Period. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> 
So now, just to end up this talk, I really appreciate you. Oh, my pleasure. We're about to go into our soul food section. Mm. So anybody listening, I'm a country girl. I come from a family that can cook real good. Mm-hmm. So I love soul food. Mm-hmm. So before we dive into these questions, or before we dive in, I want you to answer these questions, you know, as quickly as they come to your okay. mind. All right, let's do it. Before I ask you a question, though, what is your favorite soul food dish? Mmm, macaroni and cheese. Period. But it got to be made the right way. It's got to be. It can't, it can't <laughs> be that sliced cheese. <laughs> All right, do you like your macaroni and cheese, like, hard, like, stick together, or it got to be extra cheesy? Mmm, I like it extra cheesy, but burn on the top. Burn on the top. You can have it. <laughs> I need extra cheese. I want extra cheese, but it's got to be a little brown on the top. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess I can. I can write <laughs> All right. So now, soul food section. Okay. First, first thing, give me a crock pot story. I feel like right now we live in a micro, microwavable age mm-hmm. where everything has to come so instantly. Mm-hmm. So tell me a time in your business where you had to wait on something and wait patiently on something to see the success or the fruit of it. Oh, yeah. Um... What I'm doing now, um, uh, I've been doing this since 2017. Mm. My pulpit is different. It back dates to 2017 where I have shirts, hats, and all those things. And people, uh, I never forget TDJ said something that I, mod- I uh, uh, copied. And somebody said, I've been following you since you've been doing my pulpit is different. Like, no, you've been following me since you've known my pulpit is different. Talk about it. I've been doing this for a while. So the crock pot story is that I've been doing it before it was noticed. Mm. So now they're smelling the aroma. Now we opened the lid. Now yeah. everybody's enjoying what came out of the crock pot. But you weren't there when I had to put the ingredients in and had to make it work. and had to sit through the time of it, baby. Slow cooking. Listen. Alrighty. Listen. The next one. Give me the itis. You know when you get the itis, mm-hmm. you tired on that chair, that food been good. So tell me, what is something that you're seeing right now that you're just tired of when it comes to entrepreneurship or finances? Like, you're just sick of it. Um, everybody's trying to teach something that they don't know. Um, we have more uh, expert witnesses and we have more people that um, are trying to tell people how to do something after they've done it one or two times. Yeah. Um, and I think we need to, I think <clears throat> as a culture, we need to come together more. Yeah. Instead of everybody trying to open the same businesses mm-hmm. so yeah why have 15 nail salons in a two mile radius right when you can have one huge nail salon and everybody can pull money out and do it the right way so yeah. I think the culture of coming together and doing things and putting more money in a pot so everybody can eat I'm just tired of seeing so many <laughs> of the same thing pop up all over town and I want to touch on that just a little bit deeper because it's easy to say um, building relationships, but because of this social media age, I feel like people are a little bit reluctant or even in my generation, a little mm-hmm. scared. Mm-hmm. And I just want to tell anybody listening right now, building relationships can be as simple as you sliding in someone's DM. Absolutely. I cannot tell y'all the number of connections I've made just by being bold enough to say, hey, I love what you're doing. I'm inspired by it. Maybe you don't Zoom for 15 minutes just to chat. Right. Not because I want something from you, but I just want to be connected to you. Right. And I can help you add value to your life in some way, and you can do the same. So, as you are building relationships, even with people in your field, don't take it as intimidation. Right, right. You know, connect with those people and see what can, you know, organically grow out of that. Yeah, and to me, <clears throat> social media has taken that away. Mm-hmm. Because we know how to text, we know how to post, but we don't really know how to talk. Yeah. Um, so, one thing I really like about you is, you ain't afraid to talk to nobody. Not a soul. You got it honest for <laughs> Uh, but you have the ability to engage past social media. Yeah. Because you meet some personalities, they're great on social media, but then when you meet them face-to-face, it's like, you really have nothing to talk right. about. Or, it's right back. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, um, I think that's one thing that your community and your uh, age group um, sometimes has to learn. Yeah. Is how to communicate, how to come together, not just be lonely. Yeah. Because relationships can take you so much further than a dollar can. Absolutely. It's bigger than money. Right. All right, so our next question. Give me your go-to. So when I think about go-to, that's just that meal, that dish, that no matter what, it disappoints. So what is something that is a part of your daily routine as you show up as an entrepreneur that keeps feeding your soul, that keeps feeding oh, you? God. God. Prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, just having that time and cre- talking to him and having creating that time to, to, to not, only, not only talk, but to listen. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing. 
um, that keeps me going um, on days where I don't feel like it. When I, you know, like you said, that go to me, you know, it's gonna hit. Yeah, um, it's yeah. gonna hit it's every gonna hit. time. Every time, yeah. And I love that you said that because entrepreneurship, like looking on social media, it can make it seem like it's just this much hustle and grind culture. Yeah. But my thing is, when you actually get in the Word of God and you build that relationship with Him, like, and you know that you're not operating on your own strength. Mm-hmm. That's that's not that's the plug. Yeah, that's, that's the plug for real. That's the source. That's the plug. I'm telling you. That's the source. Um, <clears throat> and that's that's what keeps me going. Just knowing that I'm motivated by, um, it's not my agenda. Yeah. It's my walk, but it's His agenda. Mm-hmm. So as long as I'm doing what He says do, then we good. And even when things don't work out, you're still content because he got it all figured out. Absolutely. All right. Last but not least, our last soul food section. Y'all know, when you take that first bite into something, you be like, mm, this good. <laughs> so give us some words of wisdom, this mm, this good words that you mm. can give to my community as we end this episode. Um, every time I'm asked to do this on podcast, it's always the same thing. Um, the opportunity of a lifetime only lasts the lifetime of the opportunity. Mm, you only have a small window to be great yeah um you cannot let so many things pass you by um when you said ops uh one of the things that i close with whenever i'm speaking in uh hbcus or to our people um i tell them all the time stop letting your ops catch you lacking yeah the opportunities will pass you by all the time if you don't take advantage of that window. Yeah. Like the military has something in by 37, out by 57. Because they know during those time frames is the most optimum that you're going to be able to have for your body to uphold and withstand what is going what it's going to be trying to do. So you gotta create that opportunity or when it comes to you, be ready to take advantage of it. I love that so much. Act, 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 move, take action. Right. Damien, I appreciate you for being on the Responsible Homegirl podcast, specifically the Think Like a Mobile series. Absolutely. Y'all, this is in South Carolina, like dopeness, greatness in our own backyard. So can you please tell the people where they can connect with you, how they can support you? My pool is different. Give them all the good stuff. Yeah. um, Social media, Damien Burris, everything. YouTube, my pool is different. Uh, TikTok, Damien Burris. Um, I have a Facebook, all that the same. My website is uh, thedamianburris.com. You can go order merch. You can book me to speak. Um, whatever you need to get done, right? Budget, buy a house, all of it's there. So check me out. Thank y'all so much for tuning in to another episode. I really appreciate y'all for listening. Share this with your homegirls, your homeboys. We do not level up alone. Mm. We do not level up alone. Send the link and always remember with exposure, execution, and consistency, there is nothing you can't do. See y'all next time. Peace.